Tell someone next to you, I'm in love with Jesus this morning. Amen. And if you don't know him yet, you can by the time this service is over. Amen. Good, so good to have you this morning. If you would, get your Bibles open to the book of 1 Thessalonians. And as Pastor Andrew said, we're glad you're here this morning. If you're a visitor, we hope it's not your last time, the first of many. And uh, we're just uh, excited to be serving God this morning. Amen. We're excited to uh, see all these people get baptized, these babies get dedicated, and to see God building his church. Amen. As you open up your Bibles, I want to remind you this morning quickly to not forget as you go out, if you haven't gotten one yet, to get one of these, which is the announcements for September and October. We have a lot of, of stuff coming up, um, including our conference in October. If you have not already uh, made those plans to go, please see Kendra. We need to get a final count of how many are going. And uh, also we've got big stuff coming up in the month of October. But this Saturday we've got our biggest event of the year. Amen. This Saturday coming up. Amen. Say this Saturday. Amen. We are gonna we are gonna storm Denton, Texas. Amen. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's exciting what God is gonna do. We've got the we've got the postcards in. Uh, got them on Thursday. We've got six thousand of them. We're gonna pass out on Saturday. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna meet here at the church this Saturday, the twenty eighth at ten o'clock. And I'm hoping and believing and praying for a hundred people. Amen. To show up to this outreach. How many believe that we can get 100 people here? Come on. Can we all come back this Saturday? Amen. It's been on the calendar for a month and a half. I don't want to hear anybody tell me. You didn't know about it, although I have heard. When's that day again? And that gets my blood boiling a little bit, but it's okay. Amen. I don't matter how much we do this thing, it seems like it didn't work. But that's why we do it, right? To try. But next Saturday, it's been for a month and a half we've been pumping it up. We're going to pump it up all week with tonight and Wednesday. We've got shirts that we ordered. About 80 people got shirts. If you didn't get a shirt on this order, we'll, we'll do it again. But we all want to come out in our shirts. We're going to go out with these postcards. We're going to go into groups, and we're going to go into neighborhoods. And we're going to go, and we're going to do, go door to door, a good old-fashioned evangelism. Amen? Door to door. Knock on doors. Talk to people. Meet people. And, and when they open those doors up, we're gonna, we're gonna, well, I'm going to teach you some things Saturday morning. I won't get into that. But we're going to share about our church, and we're going to pray with people, and we're going to evangelize this city, and we're going to go to all kinds of places in the city like a mobile army. Amen? So please don't miss that this Saturday, and get one of these if you haven't gotten one as you go out this morning. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in a second for uh, a situation that has been going on uh, in Kenya Amen, if you haven't heard yet. But I want to get into the word first because I want to lead this in. I had this part of the message. If you get your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to continue this morning talking and preaching about the return of Jesus Christ, the rapture. Amen. Now, if you've never heard of the rapture, you're going to hear about it this morning. It's something that uh, needs to be preached. Uh, churches need to talk about it. And uh, we've been kind of the last month exposing the spirit of the Antichrist and exposing uh, the lies and false doctrines that are being preached. We talked about how uh, people are saying that there are many paths to God and the Bible says there is only one way to God and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. And we believe that this morning. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. As you see up on our billboard, no man or woman comes unto the Father except through me, Jesus said. 
Amen. But what we need to read in 1 Thessalonians 4 is the rapture of the church. And I'm going to read this and then I'm going to try to explain it to you a little bit and then I'm going to talk about some things I want you to hear. It says in verse 13, if you'd get there, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, meaning those who have died in the Lord lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, let me just stop there for a second. I can't go past that verse without reminding you this morning. Did you realize that that is what makes us different than anybody else in the world is that we believe that when this body dies, that's not it. We believe in eternity. Amen. We believe that this body that is corruptible will become uncorruptible. And we will live forever, amen, with Jesus. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is that even if you don't believe that, that's going to happen. And the bad news is that even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to have an incorruptible body. But it's going to be made eternal for damnation, not for heaven, amen? So we are all going to be changed, but I'm going to be changed to see Jesus. How many are going to be changed to see Jesus this morning? So he says, those don't have any hope. We have hope. He says, 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we are who are alive and remain, that's us, until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Watch this. Then we who are alive and remain, that's us, will be, watch this, caught up. That means in the Greek, harpasso. That means rapture. That means caught up and taken away together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And watch this. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask you to anoint it, open our hearts and our minds to listen to you and and get what you have for us as a church this morning to continue to be ready for your imminent return. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. So the rapture is being caught up, being taken away. Now, I, I can't reiterate all this stuff I talked about last week, but there's always new people, and so I don't want anybody to be lost uh, I have to go elementary on you for a second. We're sitting here in this church. I showed a video last week. There was a man preaching. He was sharing the gospel, and all of a sudden he said, Jesus can come back at any time. He could come back next week. He could come back tomorrow. He could even come back now, and bam! There was a loud noise, and many people were gone. The majority of the church was gone, but some people started looking around, and they had been left behind. Jesus Christ had come back for his church. And I like that they showed it in the church, because church, not everybody who comes to church is going to be ready for Jesus Christ's return. Amen? Now, I don't say that negatively, because you can be ready. I'm saying it as a fact, because people aren't ready. How many want to be ready when Jesus comes back this morning? Amen? So the thing we we teach out of the Bible is that this is an event that the church, that's us, has been waiting for for 2,000 years. 
And we have been waiting anxiously, and now we know, as we talked last week, that we are the church of the last generation. We are in that last generation that Jesus said, these signs will pass, or sorry, will not pass, until this generation sees these things come to pass. And Israel was a state in 1948, and now we are close in 2018 to 70 years. A generation could be 70 to 80 years, and we are close to the time of the imminent, meaning at any moment, suddenly, the return turn of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now one of the reasons we understand that the church is going to be raptured is because we know when the church is raptured, something called the tribulation is going to start. And that tribulation the Bible says is a period of 7 years. And how many remember 9/11? Amen. That was just a glimpse of the craziness that is going to take place. You just picture 9/11 in every city and every country of the world. And that will give you a glimpse of what the tribulation is going to be like. Amen. But the Bible says that us as believers in Jesus Christ are not going to be here. And I want to get into that again this morning, that why we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Now you can sit there today and you can say, well, I don't really believe that. I can tell you that when it happens, you'll be, be, become a believer. Amen. And hopefully you don't have a heart attack. Amen. I was talking on Thursday night to an old friend of mine that used to come to our church. And he's moved down to South Dallas now. And he's not in the church anymore. I don't think he's doing very well. No one's going to know who he is. But he, we were playing basketball. I hadn't seen him for a long time. We walked out, sat on the sidewalk. I was sharing this with Brian the other day. And I said, hey, man, you remember when I used to preach those messages about the rapture? He said, yeah. I said, it could happen at any moment. He says, really, you think so? I said, yeah. And I said, listen, I'm, I, God forbid you miss the rapture. And I just started sharing with him about the rapture. I said, but if you do, and I started sharing him what not to, what not to do, what to look for. And, and he was on his way to his car when I told him that stuff. We ended up talking for about a half an hour. He kind of wanted to stay by me and talk a little bit more, I could tell. But I, sh I shared, I took the moment to take the, the current events that are going on right now. So yesterday, church, uh, it was yesterday in Kenya. In Nairobi, which is, is honestly one of the least conflicting countries in Africa when it comes to terrorism. There's a lot of countries that are a lot greater and bigger. And we have Miss Judy here this morning that is from there. And she, I know that she's troubled in her spirit this morning. But we're going to pray right now and you're going to feel better. Amen. That is her city. That is her country. And yesterday some, some men, I think it was about five people, went into a mall. I've been to that mall. It was the mall that my phone was stolen at when I was in Africa. I've been there. They walked into that mall and they said, if you're not Muslim, you stay here. If you're Muslim, you can leave. And they made them say something that would make them know that they were Muslim. And the Muslims left, and they began to shoot and kill people. And right now, the death toll is at 42 people that they've killed. And they're still at this moment in a standstill with the police. There's hostages in that place. And so we need to go to the Lord right now. If you'd stand one more time, we're going to lift up that city right now. We're going to pray and intercede for the city of Nairobi. I thank the Lord that our pastor is not there right now. Amen. Pastor Jones came back about two weeks or three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and he, it was a Saturday. He could have been at that mall. Amen. Church, this is signs of the times. Amen. When I talked to Pastor Paul yesterday, he started a church there. We have five churches in that city. This has hit home for us. We may not live there, but did you hear what I just said? We have five churches in Nairobi, Kenya. That's our brothers and sisters personally. We know the church of Christ is our brother, but these are our actual blood brothers this morning. They're part of our fellowship of churches, Victory World Outreach. I've met these pastors. That's their city. We have someone in our church from that country. Let's 
Let's pray right now. Let's not pray like, oh, God, just, pray, just touch them. Let's pray like that's your country this morning. Let's pray like that, was, that happened in Denton, Texas. And let's bind the devil. And let's declare that tragedy will turn into triumph and that souls will be saved this morning. Amen. Just begin to lift your voice right now as we pray. Father, we place the city of Nairobi, Kenya before you right now. And Lord, we know that there are many people right now scared. There are many people even at this moment in that mall, Father. And Lord, we take authority in Christ over the situation of terrorism, God. And Lord, we ask that you would cover and keep safe with your blood this morning, Father. Father, those people that are in that mall even now, Lord, not only from Kenya, but from other countries, from other nationalities, God. And we pray that right now judgment and, 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 and discipline, Lord, and consequence would come to these people who are killing people. That the gun would not work anymore, Father. Lord, that they would have to surrender, Father. That those bullets would not fly out anymore out of those guns this morning, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we know that one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand of flight and we take authority right now over this situation in Kenya and we declare that you will turn tragedy into triumph this morning father that your name be glorified father and let our fellow Kenyans this morning God have peace that passes all understanding right now in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen if you believe he heard us let's give God praise right now thank you Jesus Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Prayer works, church. Amen. Prayer can change things this morning. Amen. But you know, these things happen, church, because they're signs. Over and over and over again, these things are happening that are craziness. And, 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 we, and we see the Bible telling us that in, in, in the end times, these things will happen. And even inside the church, 2 Timothy 4.3 says, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they'll have itching ears and they will heap up things for themselves. And the Bible says in the last days, perilous times would come. Church, we don't have to be afraid this morning, but we have to be wise. And we have to understand, I preached on Wednesday night, how we can have confidence in Christ. How we can know who we are as believers. And we don't have to fear this, this stuff going on because the Bible says that no weapon formed against us can prosper this morning in Jesus' name. Amen? You need to begin to understand that the God you serve is not some God with a small G. He's a God with a big G. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the author and the finish of our faith and he will guard us as I sent that text out yesterday and today he will guard us from the evil one amen but we've got to plead the blood of Jesus we've got to have our eyes upon Jesus and we've got to understand that there's two things that need to take place every day in our lives from now on one is we need to guard our lives and we need to walk holy and righteous and look for the return of Christ and the second is we need to tell people about Jesus we need to share our faith like we've never shared it before. Every opportunity. Oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to witness. What else do you need? Just grab a current event. Just grab a current event and say, did you see what happened there? That's a sign of the time. Let me give you another crazy one. This week, I thank God that people are listening in the messages. I've had several people, uh, even new converts, come up to me and tell me that they heard these things in the news. That, that this week, one of the, the biggest religions in the world... 
uh, one of the biggest religious leaders in the world, amen, came out, the Pope, came out with some new doctrine this week and, and, and said that, uh, I'm going to quote him, the church can share its views on homosexuality, abortion, and other issues, but should not interfere spiritually with the lives of gays and lesbians. And this is something that the Pope added in an interview he had this week. It, every time something changes, church, every time the, 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 the weather of the society changes, people are trying to change God's word to that situation. The Bible is the same, yet God is the same, Jesus is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will remain forever. Amen. You don't change the word of God because of the social climate that's going on around us. And we have to understand that we love homosexuals. We love people who have abortions. We love people who live in sexual sin. But we hate their sin, and their sin is going to send them to hell if they don't turn to Jesus. Amen. We must understand that. And more and more, it's being accepted. And now that someone like that, a, a, lo, a global leader, can say something like that, he can grab the attention of people, and somehow God's word has changed. It has not changed. Another crazy thing, this is almost a little funny, but crazy thing I heard this week. I was studying up on this a little bit, and you're going to laugh, and it is funny, but it's sad, even sad, sadder than it is funny, is that the Pope actually said a couple months ago that he, could, he promised to get people out of purgatory quicker if they would follow him on Twitter. That's a fact. He promised them that he would help them get out of purgatory, which first of all is not even biblical quicker if they would follow him on Twitter. So that's a worldwide religious leader, church. We've got to wake up and understand the times we're living in right now. It's crazy, perilous times. Amen. I want you to go to the book of Matthew, sorry, Genesis chapter 5. I want to take you all the way back to the Old Testament this morning. And I want to continue to talk about the rapture and the return of Christ and why I believe biblically that we are going to go in the rapture before the tribulation. Now, some would say, well, you preach that and believe that because that's what you want. And I'm not going to lie. I do want that. If you don't want that, then you go ahead and hang out. Go ahead and stay behind. Have fun with that. But I plan on going in the first load. Amen. In the rapture. Because we are this morning the bride. We are the church. And he is the groom. Amen. And he is, the Bible said that he said, when I go away, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you would be also. Who's he preparing that for? He's preparing it for his church, us, the bride, so that he could take us up there and we could be married to him as, as our savior while the wrath and the tribulation and the judgment of God comes on this world. Now I'm going to show you some things very clearly in here. How many have, 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 in your time in the Lord, whether it's short or long, have ever heard of typology? Types? No? Types? Okay, well, you, I'm going to help you this morning. That, that's, I guess that's good, <laughs> since you haven't. How, this, this you'll understand. You've read a book, you were in school, and they used to talk about foreshadowing. How many remember those words? Okay. The Bible in the Old Testament, remember that the Old Testament, help me out with this for those that are new, the Old Testament is the what? Concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. 
Okay, if you're new to the Lord or you're a new disciple, write that down. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. God didn't make a mistake when he wrote those two testaments. And so he wrote things in the New Testament to bring to pass those that were wrote in, written in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament was written as a foreshadow of the New Testament. And so we can go back and we can begin to talk about the rapture, the return of Jesus Christ, the imminent sound of the trumpet. And let me tell you that another scripture says in 1 Corinthians that this, that this will happen as quick as you can blink your eye. In the twinkling, blink your eye real quick. In the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, it's going to happen just like that. Now, real quick, I haven't talked about this. Yet. I'm going to throw out my opinion. Okay, this, this part is not actually in the Bible, but this is just, and it's, and it's a mystery, and it's up, for, up for, for debate, okay? But my thought is, I know that for a fact the Bible says that the rapture is going to happen immediately, okay? When that trumpet sounds, it sounds, okay? It's done. And whoever's ready at that moment is going up to heaven, and whoever's not is not going anywhere, amen? They're going to be here for the tribulation. But I believe that although that moment is going to happen in a twinkling of an eye, I know that my God is an amazing God. He's an amazing creator. He's a God who created lightning. He's a God who created thunder. He's a God who created beautiful mountains and beautiful seas and beautiful rivers. And I believe that when that rapture happens and when that trumpet sounds, it's going to be instantaneous here in the world. We are going to disappear. People are going to be gone in the millions, hopefully billions, but I would say more millions, are going to be gone in the rapture and the return of Christ. And then turmoil is going to happen. I believe, though, that that rapture time, from when that trumpet sounds to when we be, get up there with Jesus, is going to be one of the most glorious, amazing events that have ever happened on the face of the earth. If you like roller coasters, it's going to be the greatest roller coaster ride you've ever, ever been on. If you don't like roller coasters, it's going to go real slow for you. Amen? Whatever it is you like, I believe it's going to be awesome. I, you know, how many understand what I'm saying? I don't believe it's just going to be, you know, beam me up, Scotty, and I'm from one place to the other. I think that God is so amazing. That's just my own personal opinion. If it don't happen the way, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be mad. But I think it'd be cool if it was the greatest light show ever, if the most amazing music was playing, amen, if it was like the greatest Disneyland ride ever created, amen, to get up to heaven. I just think it's going to be amazing and awesome. And so if God's still taking suggestions, that's mine, Amen. But the fact is, we're going to be gone. So you go back to the Old Testament, and I want to show you in the Bible in Genesis 5, if you're there. This is what the Lord put on my heart for this morning. To show you some foreshadowing, some typology. Now, before I read this, I got ahead of myself, because I asked you if you understood what that means. You'll know in just a second. One of the greatest, most easy to understand typologies or foreshadowings in the Bible is when Jesus said, as the son of man, sorry, as Jonah was in, the, when the, was in the belly of a well three days, so shall the son of man be three days in the earth. Okay, how many have ever heard that verse? That's typology. He's basically talking about an Old Testament story. I mean, that Old Testament story was made and created and done so that it would be a foreshadow of Christ. Okay, so that's what you're seeing. You're seeing in the Old Testament that Jonah was told to go preach to Nineveh, he did not want to go, and then he was thrown, he was, they cast lots, 
Okay, remember that lots were cast for Jesus' garments. He was thrown over into the sea. He was swallowed up by a whale. He was in that well for three days. Then, and this, this part is obviously not Jesus because Jesus, you know, went. But he's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to do what you told me to do. He got spit out of the whale. He went and preached to Nineveh. Nineveh had great revival. But don't think that Jesus at many times in his life did not think, uh, uh, can we change this plan? Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying. He said, Lord, if we can change this, if you can take this cup from me, but then he says, not my will, but your will be done. So even Jesus Christ was like Nineveh, was like Jonah at Nineveh for a moment when he thought, man, I, I'm a human being, I'm God, but this body that I'm in sure does fear the pain that's about to come upon me. I'm not sure if I want that, that beating. I'm not sure if I want my beard to be plucked out. I'm not sure if I want to have my nails and feet. So he was going through human emotions. So that's typology. That's seeing a story in the Old Testament and it being fulfilled in the New Testament. And so that's a great example. So now does that make a little more sense on what typology is or foreshadowing? So if you talk about the rapture, that may sound weird to some people. It may sound strange, but this rapture that we're talking about this morning, the harpasso, the caught up and taken away, is not the first one that ever happened in the Bible. If you go all the way back to Genesis, and I know this is really going to help some people this morning. Look at Genesis chapter 5. This is the very beginning. Obviously, like we've talked about, years are passing. It's not like this is one day to the other from Genesis 1 when the world was created and 3 when they, when they fell and now we're in 5. We're talking about different men and women in the Bible. But just chapter 5, 21, say man if you're there, says Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. That doesn't mean he lived 65 years and died. It was at 65 years old. He, he him and his wife gave birth to Methuselah. If you know that name, Methuselah was the man who lived longer than anybody else on the earth, okay? And then he says, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. I want you to take your pen, and I want you to underline, walked with God. Okay, this is very important. Walked with God. 300 years. And then it says, what verse was I in? 22. And had sons and daughters, meaning he's living a normal life. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now watch verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, underline that again, and he was not, for God took him. Okay? So in the Old Testament, back in the book of Genesis, we see the first rapture. Why did this happen? So that we would understand today that this is something that's going to happen in the New Testament. This is a foreshadow. This is a typology of what's going to take place. Amen? Don't look at me like, like I just said something weird. Amen? Enoch was walking, and all of a sudden he was gone. Okay? Now, if you look at Hebrews, I'm going to read this. Don't take time to look at it. Hebrews 11.5. Actually, let's go there real quick. We, we, don't, we don't need to stay in Genesis. Go to Hebrews all the way over in the New Testament and watch that Enoch is mentioned again. Some people in the Bible are mentioned very few times, but when they're mentioned, there's a great power to what's mentioned about them. And how many know that Hebrews 11, how many know the Lord enough, the Bible enough to understand that Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter, the faith hero chapter. It's the chapter of all the heroes of God or many of the great uh, mighty ones that were mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And so it says in the faith chapter of Hebrews, which remember starts off that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
So this morning, church, as you're here, do you realize that the greatest key to you being saved is your faith? This, this does, shouldn't sound weird because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We're sitting here believing in something that we have not seen. Enoch was walking with God and all of a sudden he was not. He was gone. And we know that Jesus gave some great words. How many, anybody in here named Thomas? Any Thomases in here? Oh, well, look at that. So we've got a Thomas here this morning. Amen. That's, that's rare that that would happen. Thomas in the Bible, remember Thomas? They called him Doubting Thomas. He said, I'm not going to believe unless I touch his hands, touch his side, see his feet. And so Jesus said, okay, go ahead and touch and feel. He said, but blessed are they who have not touched me, who have not seen me, and believe. That's you and me. We have greater faith than Thomas. When was the last time your faith was shook? Have you had your faith shook where you thought, man, I don't, I don't know if I got enough faith. I don't think I believe enough. Well, you do. You believe more than you think. Because Thomas walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw Lazarus come out of the grave. He saw paralytics stand up. He saw lepers' skin changed. Yet he did not believe that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. I have not seen a leper skin changed. I have not seen anybody come out of the grave. Amen. I've seen some miracles, but I haven't seen what they saw. But I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. I believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I believe he's coming back for me. Does anybody else believe that this morning? Amen. That's faith. So we see in the faith chapter, right at the beginning in verse 5, it says, by faith. Look at the person next to you and say, you need faith. You need to use your faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away. Why was he taken away? This is important. Somebody get this this morning. I heard somebody get excited. Why was, Jesus, why was Enoch taken away? This is key for the church. So he would not see death. Just simmer on that for a second. Let that simmer for a second in your spirit. That's the rapture. He said, those that are alive and remain will be caught up in the air. The dead in Christ who have died will rise first. But those who are alive and remain shall be caught up and forever they will be with the Lord. Amen. Praise God. So we see right here, church, this is important. He says, so that he would not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Now watch this. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Hopefully, without getting there yet, your spirit is grasping what I'm getting at. The key to Enoch's rapture was that he walked with God. Not that he showed up at church. Not that he carried a Bible in his hand. That he walked with God. 24-7, seven days a week. I'm not, he, we're not talking about people who just have an appearance of godliness. 
but deny the power of. We're talking about people who love Jesus Christ with every fiber in their being, with all their soul, with all their heart, with all their mind, and with all their strength, and are looking every day, Jesus, come back. I want to see you face to face. I want to see Jesus, the one who died for me. He walked with God. He pleased God. Now, this would lead you in to the book of, don't go there for time, of John 15, when he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, I will abide in them, and they will bear much fruit. See, the people who are going to go in the rapture church is the church that is walking with God. The church that's not caught off guard. The Christian who's not looking for what he can get away with and still be saved. Oh, let me say that again on this side because this side's a little bit, I don't know, this side might give me a little. Looking for what they can do for God, not what they can get away with. Okay, I know you get it the first time. Let me give you one more chance. They weren't looking for what they could get away with. They were looking to please God. There we go. Are you listening? That's who Jesus is coming back for. He's, he's coming back for people walking with him, not people who show up Sunday and then put them up on the shelf till the next Sunday. Come on. People who love God. Now, wh- what does this mean? If you're reading Genesis, there was other people mentioned. Now, this is the key to this message, if you'll write this down, if you're taking notes. I'm talking about typology. We see three things in the Old Testament that show us the coming of the New Testament. Okay, watch this. We, let me throw this elementary again for you real quick. When Jesus comes back, which could be today, could be tomorrow, could be five years, it doesn't matter how long, but it's imminent, any moment. Just like that attack was imminent yesterday. That wasn't planned. No one knew it was going to happen except the ones that did it. And all of a sudden, tragedy. Jesus' return will fall like that. It'll bam. And they'll be talking about it on the news tomorrow. Millions of people have disappeared. We don't know where they're at. We don't know what happened. And I've talked about this before, conspiracy theory. They're going to think aliens abducted us. Maybe you haven't heard me say that. Maybe you're new, have missed that. Do you realize how much the enemy has set that up to be deceived? To think that we have been abducted by aliens. People believe in aliens. People believe in spaceships. People think that, you know, that's, that, that's real. And that's not going to be it. But that's what the world's going to say. But people who know the Bible are going to know difference. And so that rapture has happened, okay? And then after that happens, immediately, we talked about this last week, then there's going to be a peace treaty signed in it, with Israel. It's going to be signed by the Antichrist, who is alive right now. We do not know who he is, but he is going to be a young, persuasive Arab man who has a lot of power, and he's going to be on the scene all of a sudden, and he's going to do something that's never been done before. He's going to bring that peace treaty to pass. Israel will sign it, and that will begin the seven years of tribulation. Okay? So watch this. The church gets raptured. We're gone. Then what's left behind on the earth, get this, what's left behind on the earth is the people who, one, were not ready, who can still be saved in the tribulation, but don't put your money on that. Because if you can't live for Jesus right now, I have my doubts you'll be able to live for Jesus then. But that's just my own personal opinion. Maybe fear will be a big factor. 
But the tribulation is really for God's people, the Israelites, the Jewish people. We're gone. Okay, so, so the, per, the church gets raptured and does not see death like we saw with Enoch, right? Taken out before, before wrath, before destruction. Then the tribulation begins, which is the judgment of God and the dealing with the Israelites and the Jewish people and those that remain on the earth. And the Jewish people and the Israelites and those who put their faith in Jesus after the rapture will, go, will make it through the tribulation and they will be preserved Okay, and then after that, the second half of the tribulation, when the Antichrist stands up in the temple at three and a half years, will begin the great tribulation, which is the third part, where God will judge the world. Some of you are looking at me cross-eyed. But this is the Bible. Amen, I'm telling you straight from the Bible what's going to happen. Now watch this. It's going to make sense in a second. Church is gone. Saved from death, saved from wrath. Why? Because we believed. Tribulation begins, three and a half years of dealing with the people that would not listen to him for thousands of years. That's why they're heading back to Israel. That tribulation time, the Bible says 144,000 sealed are going to testify of him. They're going to preach the gospel. They're going to tell people about the Lord. People are going to get saved. There is going to be a great outpouring of God upon the earth. But I don't want to be here for it. Neither do you. Amen. Get that in your system. Because it's going to be hard. And I talked about that a little last week. And then comes the second part, which is the part where there will be no more salvation. It will be three and a half years of wrath that the world has never seen before, and the seven bowls of revelation will be poured out. And in, a, in a, just a summary, because I'm not getting into that this morning, more than half or right at half of the population of the world will be killed. There are close to seven, I don't know the latest number, let's call it seven billion. Did you know that on 9-11, 20-something hundred people died? That's a lot of people. How about 3.5 billion people dying. That's in the book of Revelation. There'll be earthquakes, there'll be asteroids, there'll be the, the sun and the moon will change, there'll be, there'll be uh, pestilences, there'll be all kinds of crazy. That, I, I don't have time to get into all that, but I'm telling you all that for this, why I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Because in this typology, you see Enoch walking with God. And he's gone. And the key that he was gone was that he was walking with God. He was ready. He was loving God. He was abiding in Christ. Then, watch this. So the church is taken. Then, before judgment, we see that in Enoch. The second one is the dealing with the Jewish people in the tribulation. That, guess who that is? Noah and his family. 669 years after Enoch was raptured, the flood takes place. Here's another typology. As in the days of Noah, so shall the return of son, the Son of Man be. They'll be marrying. They'll be going through their normal life. They'll be, they'll be just doing whatever, and all of a sudden, bam. So Enoch is the church. 
Noah and his family are the Jewish people that were saved through the flood. Y'all follow me? This is typology. Just like the church, the Jewish people, and, and God's chosen people will be saved and preserved through the tribulation, Noah and his family were saved through the flood. But what happened to those who did not get on the boat? They were killed in judgment, and the, and the flood took out the world. Totally, 100%, gone. There was nobody else left. That's the tribulation, the great tribulation. How many just saw those three things that I just showed you from the Old Testament and the New Testament? Amen? We saw in the Old Testament the story of Abraham and Lot. God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I'm going to close with this this morning. He said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, get out. Get out. And so we see Abraham and Lot... They get out of Sodom and Gomorrah before the wrath of God comes down. That's the rapture of the church. And the choice is, as Lot's wife turns around, she is killed and turns to Saul because she loved more the world than she did God. She loved the world more than she loved the obedience of what God said. If she would have just listened and listened to the word of God, she'd have got out of Sodom and Gomorrah too. But she looked back. This morning, I'm going to tell you this morning, if you're going to make it for God, you need to stop looking back at the world and trying to play around with what the world has for you. You need to stop staring back at what you've left. You need to keep your eyes forward, and you need to walk in Jesus, and you need to say, the world before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. I am not looking back at this world anymore because I'm not going to be left behind. So wrath comes. Church, God will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah if he does not judge our country. That's a fact. Because we're worst. Our country right now is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. The things I'm telling you that I said about at the beginning with, with, with the homosexual, homosexual movement, with the perversion, with the godlessness, with the, with the violence, with all these things that the world has embraced. And listen, not only the world, church, now our country. Our country has turned its back on God. A country that was founded in God we trust has taken the Ten Commandments out has said it's okay to abort babies. It's okay to protect an eagle, but it's okay to kill babies. Our world and our country is lost and going to hell, and the church of Jesus Christ is the only answer for them to be saved. And we have got to become the church, and we have got to preach the gospel like never before. Amen. Musicians, you can come this morning. Like never before. Amen. God's word is good. You saw in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, Elijah. Elijah's taken up in 2 Kings in a whirlwind in a chariot. He was raptured. 
It's another rapture. Most biblical theologians, and I myself believe as well, that Enoch and Elijah will be the two witnesses in the book of Revelation who will come back down to earth and will be used in the book of Revelation. You can read that later. They have never seen death, but neither will we. Do you realize how amazing it is to be this generation that we live in? That God has entrusted us to be the church. Did you hear what I just said? He has entrusted us. He, the Bible says, now think about this for a second. If you haven't gotten excited at all this morning, because some of you look, look like you've been baptized in lemon juice, amen? Just kidding. So that's what I look like. Just kidding. If you haven't gotten excited about anything yet, you ought to get excited about this. That The Bible says that before, we, we dedicated those kids, before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. Okay? So it means that, that, that we might make mistakes, but God doesn't. We might. There, there's, a, there's a good friend of mine that I haven't seen for probably 15 or 20 years. His name is Reggie Dabbs. He preaches all over the world. And he was born from a $20 bill. But he's a mighty evangelist. So the, the, the mistake might happen, but God's still in control of what comes out. That $20 bill from a prostitute is preaching the gospel all over the world. But the Bible says that he knew us in our mother's room before he formed us, meaning that he had a time plan of when we were going to be born. And my God has entrusted us to be the last day church. He said, these people here, I can trust them to be the church in the last days that'll stand up for me and preach my gospel and not be ashamed of it. You realize how much of a privilege that is? I bet you've never thought about it that way before. It's a privilege that God has chosen us to stand up in these last days and preach the gospel. Get your vocabulary to the Bible says. Amen. The Bible says. This is what the Bible says. And put it on God. But this morning, church, I, I was thinking yesterday, I've been talking to a couple of people over the last few days, and I said, you know what, this, oppor this opportunity we have right now is so great because while all this craziness is going on, you know what it does? In, in the churches and in the world and all the false doctrines and all these things, you know what it does? It makes the true church that's trying to preach the true gospel stand up more and look more like light. Amen. It's an opportunity. As it gets darker in the world and in the church, the true light of Jesus shines brighter. How many want to be the true church this morning that stands up for the Bible, stands up for the Word, and then when that trumpet sounds, we're gone. We're gone. Amen.